0: Why would God want to stand aloof, if you will? That sounds like a funny word, doesn't it? But why would God want to just be hands off of his children? That is not the way God is. God wants to be involved in your lives. You know that? But he will not force his way into our lives. He will only be as involved as we will allow him to be. But he is a good, good father. And he has love for you, his children. He wants to be involved in your lives. I just, I really feel like there are so many people Of all walks of life, of all shapes and sizes, of all financial places, and of all different jobs. And you know what? It really doesn't matter. God wants to be involved in your lives. God wants to be able to free you. But sometimes we... Just as you hear this behind me here, don't let that concern you. Just remain in an attitude of prayer. That's a good thing. That's a good thing. God wants to be involved in your life. If we do not allow Him to shine the light of his glory, the light of his love, his power into our lives, then we continue to remain in places of darkness. Do you understand? But when we submit to God and we say so there's like there's got to be an admission there. All right? There needs to be an admission of a need for God in our lives. Does that make sense to you? Once we admit that we need God, that we need his help, we are in a sense admitting, God, I can't do this myself. I can't do this myself. How many times have you tried to overcome something in your in your life and you just couldn't do it? And so you try a different angle. But that won't work either. And so you try all these different ways to figure it out, and and you try to, maybe I can educate myself, maybe I can try to think my way through this. And though that's good, that's not the answer. Maybe maybe it's a medical problem, maybe I can um, uh, medicate my way through this. And though that may help, It might not solve the problem. And so we're trying all of these different things to solve a problem that is spiritual. Do you understand what I'm saying? There is a spiritual battle going on for your soul. And when we refuse God, Satan wins. Do you know that? When we refuse God, Satan wins, and we can cover it up, and we can uh, say that we've dealt with that problem, we've got it down, we got it covered, but that problem is just got a band-Aid over it, because that problem still exists. The root, the root of the problem still exists. OK? And so it says if we've got a cut maybe on our hand, all right? And, and we're just putting a Band-Aid over that. We can't see it anymore, right? But that cut still exists, all right? And in our lives, we have cuts, we have bruises, we have... Different things, we have addictions, and, and you know what? Some addictions are more accept, better accepted than others, you know, in, in our societies. But you know what? To God, it's all black. You understand? It's darkness. It's sin. Okay? And it's evil. And it needs to be taken out. All right, And so the battle within our soul continually wages. And we try to fix it with things that can't fix it. The Bible says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. On the contrary, they have divine power for the tearing down, the demolishing of what? Strongholds. Strongholds. okay and so when we continue to cover these things up and we band-aid them and we try to treat them with other things all that happens is the problem is just pushed down pushed back a little way from the from the surface but the problem still exists the root of the problem still exists it's like a dandelion a dandelion in your life You know where I'm going. You pull a dandelion out, what happens? The top breaks off. Right? And the rest of it is where? Beneath the ground ground where you can't see it. Three days later, that thing's back in full force. We have dandelions in our lives. And though we just keep cutting off the top, they... The, the root system is still strong. And it's dangerous. And so, we need for God to have full access to those areas in our lives. We need for God to be able to reach in and grab that dandelionous addiction, that dandelionous chain and pull it out by the roots because if you can get it by the roots then it's not going to come to the surface anymore because it's gone it's gone do you understand and so how do how do we go about this what does that look like how do we you know does that mean that we um that we just give up on all the other stuff well no that's not what i'm saying all right because there is something to be said about Medication. There is something to be said about the physical and the emotional and all these things because they're kind of all intertwine, aren't they? Right? But here's the thing. Unless that spiritual root is removed from our lives, it will always exist and it will always rear its ugly head in some fashion. Alright? It may even show up in a place where you don't expect it okay and just like a dandelion when it comes to flower and then it starts to that that flower starts to die and what do we get we get all those little seeds that when the wind blows you can pick them right you go like this and then you got a hundred more dandelions in your lawn all right but it's the same kind of thing we we grow seeds from this that stem from the same root system that crop up in other areas of our lives all right and we try to cover those things we try to hide them we try to cleanse ourselves from them and unless god is able to get in and grab that root system it still remains how do we get rid of it what is the answer the answer is not found in yourself, okay? The answer is found in Christ Jesus the Lord. And well, what does that mean? I've, I've been a Christian all my life, you might say, and I still have this problem. What do I do? Well, the first thing you do is you keep it before God. Always. Always. You've got to keep it before God. You've got to allow Him to shine His light in those areas. You've got to confess that, okay? It's really important because unless we're confessing to God our sin, unless we're confessing to God our need for Him to intervene in this area of our lives, we're never allowing Him to, The ability to change. We're never allowing him the ability to help us to overcome. Do you understand? And so, 40 years of Christianity go by and we still have the same problem. We still have the same problems. We need to admit our guilt before God God I am really weak in this area and I, I, I'm, I'm lost I'm, I've got no way to overcome it everything that I've tried nothing is working and so We fall on our knees. This is where it starts, friends, just like this. Very simple. We fall on our knees and we cry out to God. Okay? We fall on our knees and that is simply an act of submission. And we cry out to God. How many times in the Psalms did David cry out to God? How many times did David feel abandoned? How many times did David just need God? I want to read you something Psalm 32, 1 through 7. Wednesday night at prayer meeting, I want to invite you guys. If you're looking for something to help you press in closer to God, if you're looking for an extra um, rejuvenation of your spiritual life, be here on Wednesday nights. There's some powerful things that happen here on Wednesday nights. And I want to tell you something else. A lot of things that happen on Sunday morning are a direct result of Wednesday night prayer meeting. Okay? Let's read this. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven. Transgressions, sins. Whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him and in whose spirit is no deceit. Blessed is the... Listen to that. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord does not count against him. Wow. That is awesome. When I kept silent, David says, my bones wasted away. How many times have you kept your sin trying to to hide that from God, right? And we keep silent about it as if God can't see what's going on, right? Right? And we try to hide it behind that white picket fence in our yards. When I kept silence, my bones wasted away through my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy upon me. How many of you have ever felt God's heavy hand upon you? Maybe sometime in your life when you were straying from the truth, Yeah? And you felt God's heavy hand upon you. Maybe you felt guilty because you know where the truth is. You know where God is leading you, and yet you've chosen to to go a different way. Am I the only one that has been in that place? Okay. Okay. Day and night your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. We're going to be experiencing the heat of summer really soon. And those great days when it's just really humid and it's just 90 degrees out and you're just loving life. You're loving air conditioning, I mean, yeah. Right? But in those days, your strength is sapped from you. You got no energy, right? Your hand was heavy upon me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of summer. Then, now listen to this, then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not cover up my iniquity. I acknowledged my sin to you. I told you about my sin. I admitted my sin. I, I submitted myself in my guilt to you. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. (laughs) I will confess my transgressions to the Lord. You see, Christianity, being a believer, being a Christian, is not just going to church. We have responsibilities. We have things that we are responsible for. We have things that God expects of us in response to what He has done for us. Does that make sense? God is looking for people to respond to him. God is looking for people to admit their guilt. Why? So that he can point the finger at them and and drive them down into the dirt, right? No. So that he can wash them clean. So that he can forgive so that he can once again, so that he can take them from that place where they're down and low and their face is to the ground and, and their hands and their knees are in the dirt because of the addiction, because of the bondage. And God reaches down and he lifts you up. And he lifts you up and he stands you again on your feet. And he places you on the rock, if you will. He places you on a firm foundation and puts you back in right standing with God. I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. You forgave the guilt of my sin. Friends, even though we're Christians, if we don't take our sin to God, our sin remains. Do you understand that? The power to be forgiven is there, but unless we take that to God, to the Lord Jesus Christ in His blood, our sin remains. Okay? He forgave the guilt. Of my sin. And verse 6: Therefore, let everyone who is godly pray to you while you may be found. Surely, when the mighty waters rise, they will not reach him. And listen to this: You are my hiding place. You will protect me from trouble and surround me with songs of deliverance. You will surround me with songs of deliverance. You know, the Bible says that if we confess our sin, that he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sin. You know what says that in the Bible? But we got to do, do that first. We have to confess it. All right? We have to confess it to God and say, God, this is something that I am really struggling with. Say it's Say it's anger. God, I am really struggling with this. I am really struggling with controlling what's coming out of my mouth. I'm really struggling with lust. I'm really struggling with what I see around me. I'm really struggling with with spending money. Do you know that that can be bondage as well? Just as strong. I'm really struggling with with drinking. I'm really struggling with gambling. I'm really struggling with, with this or that. And you can fill in the blanks, all right? But unless we bring these things to God and we admit our guilt, for one, and then we recognize our need for God, that we can't fix it ourselves, then those sins will continually crop up because we did not pull them out by the root. Does that make sense? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins. Hallelujah. We were never meant, I want you to hear me, We were never meant to walk around with our faces toward the ground, defeated. No, that is not the way God has planned for the lives of His children. God wants us to live in victory. We are more than conquerors through Christ, the Bible says. We are more than conquerors. Hallelujah. The Bible says that it is by grace you have been saved. In Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8, would you turn there with me? Verse 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, verse 8 through 10. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. Now listen, and this is not of ourselves. You hear me? This is not of ourselves. This was something that we couldn't do on our own. It is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is what? The gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's workmanship. We are the work of His hands. We are something that He has created. Created in Christ Jesus to do what? Good works. We were created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We were never meant to walk around defeated. Sometimes we feel like that. Sometimes we feel like the whole world is against us. Sometimes we feel like even God is against us. You ever felt like that? You ever felt like God is against you? Let me, tell, let me just clarify some things. God is not against you okay god is not against you however when we make decisions outside of his will when we choose not to walk in obedience to him we reap what we sow okay all right that is the way god has made it that we reap what we have sown okay okay And so basically that's saying, you're getting the consequences for your actions. That's the way it is. Okay? But God is not against you. God is for you. And the Bible says, if God is for me, who can be against me? Right? God is for you. God wants the best for you. And sometimes we think we've talked about this before sometimes we think that God wants to take all the fun away from our lives so that we have to live a boring life, no fun, no joy, no adventure, no challenge. He just wants us to go to church and go home and live boring lives. That's the lives of Christians.) <sighs> That is the farthest thing from the truth. All all that you see in the world that you've experienced this much of, okay, really, truthfully, in this earth that God has created in this universe, we've experienced that much of it. But all of it is is for us to enjoy. Go enjoy it. Go take it in. Go explore. Go... Take risks, okay? Now, before anybody goes out and gets themselves hurt, okay? Don't be afraid to take risks, all right? Don't be afraid to take business risks. Don't be afraid to take a financial risk. But, but, there is wisdom in much counsel, the Bible says. Okay, So what I'm saying is that you don't have to be stuffed into this little Christian shell that everybody has to look and act the same and smell the same and have your hair parted on the same side and, and all that stuff. God has made you individually. He's made you beautiful just the way you are, and you're, 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 you bring joy to Him. The Bible says that we are to God the aroma of Christ. Let's pull that scripture up. We are to God the aroma of Christ. And we've talked about this before. How many of you have children uh, or have had young children and, or maybe grandbabies or something like that, and they come up to you and, and you smell their hair and they just... <laughs> There's just something really special about that, you know, and you just want to, I see a mama back here, she's just rubbing, her, rubbing on her baby's cheeks and kissing on her and stuff, you know? And it's those kind of things. We are to God, the Father, the aroma of Christ. When God looks at us, he sees his boy. He sees his boy, yeah? And it, it, it brings a smile to him. That's the way God thinks about you. Have you ever thought about that? It's not about a church building. It's not about a name, a religion. It's not about this. It's about the love of Christ for us. So much. The Bible says in John 3:16, God loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. That whosoever should believe on him should not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. Friends, there is freedom. There is peace at the cross. A few weeks ago, we remembered and acknowledged what Christ Jesus did on a cross, something like this one. And this is just a symbol of the real thing. But what happened on a cross something like this changed history. And it changed our lives forever. We no longer are bound by sin. We have an advocate, the Bible says, an advocate that goes to the Father on our behalf. Yes, we are guilty of sin, but Jesus comes alongside of us and he wraps his arm around us and he says, Father, this one's with me. This one's with me. You are not alone. You are not alone in your struggle against your sin. Okay? You are not alone. And if you decide if you are willing to ask the Lord to help you, He will. All right? You are not alone in your struggle with sin. But our responsibility to that sin is this. We have to acknowledge that we need God in it. In Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6, would you turn there with me? Proverbs chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. It says to trust in the Lord with all your heart, lean not on your own understanding. All right? Too many times we try to figure it all out. You guys do that, don't you? You guys do that, don't you? Yeah, I, I'm no different. We try to figure it all out and we try to respond according to the circumstances, don't we? And we try to uh, rationalize it, to make sense out of it and we try to plan and and all of these things and the whole while God just chuckles. (laughs) He chuckles. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. Verse 6, In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. In all your ways, acknowledge Him, and He will make your paths straight. So that kind of paints a picture that unless we are acknowledging God and recognizing our need for Him daily in all of these different situations regarding sin, okay, that we are meandering just like the Israelites in the desert. Back and forth. What should have taken them three weeks took them 40 years. But that was faith school, right? God was teaching them obedience. God was teaching them faith. They were in faith college for 40 years, right? They had to learn how to please God. They had to learn how to walk in obedience to God. They had to learn how to live according to God's plan with each other. We had to learn how to work together. The Bible says there's a way that seems right to a man, but in the end, there is destruction. We can't do it alone, friends. We can't do it alone. God wants to help us. We've got to recognize our need for God. We've got to recognize our sin. We've got to confess our sin. If we don't confess our sin, our sin remains. Amen. God doesn't want you walking around in bondage. He doesn't want you dragging around. You've seen those pictures maybe on cartoons and dragging around that ball and chain, you know, so you can't get away. So friends, first of all, step one, recognize you can't do it by yourself. Okay? Recognize your need for God. Number two, confess your sin to God. Confess it to Him. All right? And number three, Trust Him. Trust Him. Okay? Recognize, confess, and trust. Okay? And if we do these things, God promises that He will be there. He will never leave us, nor betray us, nor forsake us. He will never leave us alone. Hallelujah. Man, that's comforting to me. Friends, I hope that that you're comforted today. I hope that the words in this book speak life to your soul. I hope that they speak life to your spirit because this the Word of God is an endless river of life. (laughs) It is a book of life It is a book of hope. It's a book of love. It is God's word to mankind. He wants to help. Let him help. Admit your need for God. Confess your sin to God. And trust Him. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with me? I want to say a little prayer here. And I'm really proud of those of you that came forward this morning. And um, I know that's really hard to do. And I'm proud of you for doing that. Okay? Because it, it's, it's hard because you're kind of, um, well, you're admitting, right? That you can't do it yourself. You're admitting you have a need. All right? I wish more of us would do that. I think the Lord does too, all right? We try to, uh, to mask it and to cover it up, and, but God wants access to our lives. I'm just going to say a prayer here, and as I do, if you feel so inclined, if God has been speaking to your heart today, then you pray after me. Sue was saying that she just prayed a simple prayer after somebody else. That led them in a prayer. And so I'm going to do that today. I'm going to lead in a prayer, and you can pray. You can say what I say. All right? And God will hear your prayer. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we come before you today. We recognize that we are sinners, that we are prone to sin to following our own ways. We are prone to disobedience. Today before you and before these witnesses in this church, I confess to you my sin. I am guilty and I can't fix it myself. And so today... I'm asking for forgiveness for my sin. May the blood of Jesus wash me clean. Set me again on the rock and strengthen my legs that I may stand. Thank you for the plan that you put in motion to cleanse me of sin. And from this day forward, I trust in you as my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Heavenly Father, I pray for each and every soul that's here today. Lord, I thank you for bringing them. I pray that you would bring us back together next week. I pray, Lord, that you would put someone on our hearts that we can invite back to church next week. I thank you, Lord, for all that you have done for us. We receive your love. We receive what you did on the cross as payment for our sins today. Bring us back next week, Lord. Help us to live our lives as beacons of light for you, shining the love of Christ to a dark world. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. I love y'all. I'll see you next week.